Turn, please, in the Holy Word, the life-giving scriptures, to the 23rd Psalm, 23rd Psalm, and then we'll be going to John, I believe, John 16. Well, I believe we're going to start off with a new series. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Something the Lord's been priming us for for a few weeks now. Amen. <laughs> I was looking back over some things, and I don't know how close of attention you paid to it, but uh, one series flows into the next series. Hmm? <laughs> no, I didn't plan that. <laughs> That's not because I'm so super smart. I'm smart now, don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think I'm going to say I'm dumb, do you? But I haven't planned these things. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. How one thing would prepare us for the next thing. I'm finding these things out as we're doing them. Hallelujah. And it really is the Lord. And uh, I believe what has gone before now has prepared us for this. Mr. What? I'm about to tell you. Just, just hold on. <laughs> Psalm 23, are you there? Yes. Psalm 23 and verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. Is he yours? Yes. I shall not want. Verse 2. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me. Beside still water, somebody say, he leads me. He He restores my soul, and then he says it again. He what? He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Why? He's leading me. He's with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. How did I get there? He led me there. Is that right? Somebody say, he led me there. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Aren't you glad he led you there? Because, man, some good things happened to you when you got there. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I might say this, while I'm following him, good things are following me. Because it's in the wake of his goodness that my life is overflowing with goodness. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, what does the shepherd do? He leads and he feeds and he protects I believe we're supposed to camp on the leading part. How God leads. I want us to talk about, as the Lord would help us, about being led. Being led by the Spirit of God. Please don't assume you know all about it. If you know something, how many believe there's more you could know? There's there's a lot more you could know. And the further I go in ministry, the more I'm realizing... Don't assume people know things. 
don't assume that folks know things. There's always new people. And there's always people that just got saved recently. Right? And are learning these things. And then there's folks that's been around for 40 years and didn't pay attention. (laughs) And there's all kind of things in between. And even if you know something, the Bible said, if any man thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know it. So uh, thank God for any light we've received. But how many believe there's a whole lot more to see and know about being led by the Spirit? Oh, my. Oh, my. This is an area that teaching and understanding of is not widespread. It's not widespread. There are millions of Christians that have heard nothing about how to be led by the Spirit. Their entire life. There are all kinds of groups that this just never comes up. And the only reason we have any insight into it is because of our father in the faith, Kenneth E. Hagin, who's in heaven now. And if you're familiar with his ministry or have read after his materials, you'll see that the head of the church taught him personally. About how to be led by his spirit. In fact he has an excellent book. What's the title of it? It's got a, it used to be white. With a dove on the front. How to be led. By the spirit of God. Kenneth E. Hagin. If you don't have that. Get you two or three copies right away. Am I right guys? Am I right? Outstanding. And uh. The revelation that the Lord gave him that came out uh, through the ministry then is many things that uh, people have never thought about. They've never seen. Uh, It's always been there. It's always been in the Word. But this is something the enemy desperately tries to hide. It's not that it's so complicated or hard to get. The enemy is continually trying to hide it, trying to keep it hidden and covered up. Before I was acquainted with Brother Hagin's ministry as a teenager, just beginning to learn some things about the Lord, him beginning to be more real to me, I became convinced as a teenage boy that if I could learn how to hear from God, I had it made. (laughs) I became convinced of that. And now, a few years later, (laughs) what are you laughing about? I know it's true. I said, I know it's true. I'm absolutely convinced it's the truth. If you'll learn how to hear from the Lord, and if you'll make up your mind to do what he tells you to do, you got it made. Because every situation in life, I don't care what happens, what's the first thing you need to know? Lord, what do I do? What do you say? Show me what to do. And how many know if you do what he tells you to do, how are you going to come out? That's how miracles happen. Remember Jesus' mother told him at the wedding Cana, wedding ceremony and feast of Cana, am I saying that right? Galilee? Where they were? What'd she say to him? Whatever he says to you, do it. Well, how many understand you'd have to hear what he said to you? 
Wouldn't you? How would you know what he said to you? Unless you heard from him. You heard what he said to you. Then when you heard what he said to you. You have to understand what he said to you. And if you heard it and you understood it. The only thing standing between you and a miracle. Is doing what he told you to do. Is that right? That's the only thing. That's the only thing. Go with me please. To John. The 16th chapter. John chapter 16. 16 and verse 13. 16, 13. Jesus said, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will do what? What will he do? What Jesus say the Spirit of God would do for us? He will guide you. Somebody say, he will guide me. Jesus said he would. He will guide you into all truth. All truth. Do you know that's the thing you need to know in every situation? What's the truth? What's the truth about what's going on? What's the truth about which way we should go? What's the truth? The truth will make you free. For he'll not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he'll do what? He will show you things to come, which is part of him guiding us. Do we have a divine guide? Do we? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. In Romans, the eighth chapter One of the greatest scriptures along this line you could read and meditate upon. He tells us precisely how he leads. Romans 8. Romans 8. Let's begin about verse 8. Romans 8, 8. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. Keep going. But you're not in the flesh. Do you know that? I said, I thought I was. (laughs) You're in the body, but you are not limited to flesh awareness. But in the spirit. How many understand, if you've been born again, you are alive under God. And you can and should be aware of spirit. You are spirit. God being the Father of spirits, the Holy Spirit, we can and should be aware of spirit. People that are dead spiritually, they are not aware. They only live in the flesh. That's all they are aware of. And we we just got through reading in in John there. Jesus said earlier in that chapter uh, about the Holy Spirit, he said, the world cannot receive him. And that's what we're talking about, is that there's not this awareness unless you are alive, unless you've been born again. If so be, he said, that the Spirit of God dwell in you. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. If you've been born again, your spirit's been recreated. You're alive unto God, and the Spirit of God's in you. Now, he can also fill you up and come on you. Same Holy Spirit. But if you've been born again, He's in you. 
But if Christ be in you, the body's dead because of sin. Now that doesn't mean that uh, it can't function and exist. You understand that. But this body is dead as far as alive unto God. It's going to have to be completely transformed. It's going to have to be quickened when the trumpet sounds. Because of sin. But the spirit, the man, you and I, I don't know if that should have been capitalized there. But the spirit is life, or you could say alive, because of righteousness. Your body's dead, even while you live. But your spirit's alive. Somebody say, I'm alive alive. under God. God. Keep reading. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, does he? If he's not in you, you're none of his. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. He's going to fix your body problem too. The spirit problem's already fixed. He's going to fix your body situation too. Therefore, brethren, we're debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. We don't have to live just immersed in and only aware of the flesh like unsaved people do. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. Now that doesn't just mean you'll grow old and die sometime. It means you will be experiencing death while you live. If you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. The two ways of living, in the flesh and in the Spirit. Now that terminology is unclear to most folks. They hear that and they've heard it many times. It sounds familiar, but what does it mean? What's the very next thing he says? Let's read it together. Back up, verse 13. If you live after the flesh, you shall die. Now Galatians goes right along with this. Galatians 5 goes right with Romans 8, and he keeps talking about the flesh versus the spirit. The flesh versus, have have you read all that? And he talks about walking in the spirit. And he said, if you're led by the Spirit there in Galatians, you're not under the law. And he talks about yielding to the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit as opposed to yielding to the flesh and the works of the flesh. How many understand flesh, anger, flesh, lust, flesh, other stuff will lead you down the wrong path. If you let that lead you, you're going to do things you're going to regret. You're going to wind up losing some things. It's death in it. That's what he's talking about. If you let the flesh lead you, you're going to experience death and loss. Oh, but if you let the Spirit lead you. I said if you let the Spirit lead you, he's going to lead you to Healing Town. He's going to lead you to Prosperityville. He's going to lead you to Restoration Resort. Come on, are y'all with me? He's going to lead you to some good places. What we were talking about earlier, it's going to get brighter and brighter if you're following him. Now, any of us can miss it. Any of us, and we have missed it, but any of us can miss it and make a mistake. But you didn't miss it following him. I said you didn't miss it following him. You missed it not following him. How many believe that? 
Keep reading. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Hallelujah. Say that out loud. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Keep reading. You've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now I'm going to get ahead of myself a little bit right here maybe. But maybe not really. It's a preview. We'll put it like that. Back up to 15. What you see here, the first one he mentioned is what we're not led by. Is that right? And what you'll see here is what the enemy tries to lead you by all the time. If you're following fear, you're following the devil, and he will lead you into destruction and death. You have to overcome fear to be led by the Spirit of God. Has anybody ever walked with the Lord long enough to find that out? The Spirit of God leads you to do something. It's going to take faith. Is that right? And immediately what will come? The enemy will try to bring fear to you. Is that right? Oh, you can't do that and give you 50 reasons why you can't do that. And if you follow that fear, your miracle was just aborted. You have to overcome the fear to be led by the Spirit. Come on, somebody said out loud, God did not give me the spirit of fear. To bondage. bondage. I have nothing to do with that. I refuse refuse to follow fear. Fear Fear does not lead me. me. I don't make decisions decisions based on fear. fear. By faith, faith, I follow the Spirit. Spirit. I'm led by the Spirit. Spirit. Every day, every every night. Hallelujah. I'm a child of God and I'm spirit led. Hallelujah. Now, friend, don't let this go past you. You will be tempted to be led by fear on a regular basis. The enemy of your soul will continually try to get you off track and off course. Through fear. It sounds very familiar. We can't do that. I don't know how. Uh, We can't afford. There's no way. You ever heard any of this? I thought you said the Lord dealt with you. Yeah, I know it. But then we got out and got to looking at it. And you know we can't do that. What's leading you? Fear's leading you. And that's when you're going to miss it. That's when when it's going to cost And some things cost more than others. But I don't want to miss it. How about you? I don't want to be robbed. I want to find out what's on the other side of what the Lord's telling me to do. Because I've done it several times now and it's been wonderful. It's been exceeding abundantly above what we asked or thought. So I want to keep on doing it. You've not received the spirit of bondage. Again, to fear. God didn't give you that. 
But you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Keep reading. The spirit itself. Now most modern translations say himself. And it's the word autos. His own self. The spirit himself. Jesus repeatedly referred to the Holy Spirit as he. Didn't he? Throughout the gospel account of John other places. The spirit himself. The reason I'm saying that. The Holy Spirit is not an it. Any more than you're an it. What difference does it make? Well, if we see you walking through the door, we say, there it is. Are you okay with that? (laughs) And the reason we're touching on it is because there are a lot of Christians that view the Holy Spirit as some kind of an impersonal power, like electricity. But no, he, somebody say he, he, he is a person. He speaks, he reminds, he leads, he guides, and he is the best friend you ever had in your life. Right before Jesus left, you remember he looked at his guys, and what did he tell them? I'm not going to leave you helpless. I'm going to pray the Father, and he's going to give you Another comforter. Hallelujah. What's he saying? Boys, you need help. (laughs) And I know you're all concerned because I'm leaving and you thought, you know, I was going to be here to help you from now on. That's why they were upset, man. They were upset. That's why they kept saying, we will go with you. No, no. No, we're going with you. He said, no. They said, we're going. If we have to die, we're going. He said, no, no, you can't come right now. But It's actually going to be better. What could be better than Jesus standing there with you in the flesh? The spirit of Jesus inside you 24-7 is better. Hallelujah. And he is. I said he is. He is. And I just believe by the spirit of the Lord. He's going to become more and more real to us as you and I believe God and go through this. Do you believe it? He's going to become more and more real to us and we're going to be, the the leadings of the Lord are going to become more obvious to us and more plain to us and more definite to us than they have ever been. And we're going to know what's him, what's not, what's his leading. We're going to begin to discern more and more clearly what's flesh and what's spirit, what's people and what's him, what's just us and what's him. Somebody needs to say amen. Amen. Amen means so be it. That's what's going to happen. That's what is happening. Glory to God. What did he say this last verse here, verse 16, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now at some point I believe we'll get into some detail about this as what this means, how he does this. But we need to lay some more foundation right now. And uh, in so doing, don't let this be too basic for you because uh, if you do, you'll miss some precious things. Don't assume you already understand what we're about to uh, to be talking about here. 
millions of church-going people do not believe that you can hear from God directly and personally. Is that a true statement or not? Millions upon millions of good church-going people that are born again, they love the Lord, they believe in Him, they believe in the Holy Spirit, it's kind of vague to them, and none of us know all that much, but millions don't believe they can personally, directly hear from God. And you'll see it evidenced by people at the very mention of somebody saying, the Lord said, the Lord told me. Immediately, you'll hear people scoffing and mocking and saying, they think God's talking to them. You're going to tell me God told you something. Are y'all with me? Is this an issue? Millions of people take great issue with somebody saying, the Lord told me something. The Lord is directing me to do this. Well, what do they believe? If they don't believe, you can personally, directly hear from the Lord. What do they believe? Well, we're, no, we're not mocking. We're not making fun. What are we talking about? They believe, most of them believe some variation of that God is directing them through circumstances. I mean, you'll hear all kind of phrases. Something will happen. And they'll say, "Uh uh-oh, I think somebody's trying to tell you something. What do you mean? Well, I know. uh, I was supposed to take some rest. And I wouldn't pay attention. And God had to slap me down to uh, get me to, to hear something. Well, that don't make you look very good. That paints you as slow and dense <laughs> and yet millions of Christians believe that somehow through everything that's happening God is leading us he's shutting doors so we can't go through them he's preventing us from being able to do things and that somehow everything that happens is God Telling us something in the world. <laughs> you hear how quiet it is? <laughs> and they do not believe that they are going to personally, directly hear something from God. They don't believe that. That's why they scoff if they hear somebody else say, The Lord told me. Well, we've, uh, we've already been over this in, in other areas. You know, our, our, the series the Lord gave us on You Choose. We camped and spent a lot of time on these phrases, God has a reason. 
And, and everything happens for a reason. And somehow everything is God. These are misconceptions. These things are not true. They're not accurate. <laughs> Do I need to go back and teach that other series over again? <laughs> if you hadn't been with us, please take advantage of these things. Go online, download that series called You Choose. And, uh, and take your time. Go through it. You don't take my word for any of it. Go through and look at the scriptures one by one and see if it's true or not. But I'm telling you, tradition and men's ideas have made the word of God of none effect in these areas. People will get fighting mad about these things and don't realize how many scriptures they are ignoring and contradicting. Well, is God leading us basically by the school of hard knocks? <laughs> Whacks in the head. And we're deducting, whoa, okay, don't go that way. <laughs> Boom, oh man, don't go that way. What can I do? I guess wait for the next whack. <laughs> but the scripture didn't say, as many as are led by whacks. <laughs> did <laughs> They are the sons of God. What did it say? As many as are led by the He's not called the whacker. He's called the comforter. Is that right? He's the teacher. He's going to guide you. He's going to remind you. He's going to show you things. That's not the same thing as getting braided. I mean, when I hear show you things, I don't immediately assume somebody's going to hit me with a stick. To show me something. Do you? You don't say, hey, stand right here. I'm going to show you something. <laughs> That's not what you expect. <laughs> it's a bat upside your head. Go with me to the book of Psalms. <laughs> now, if you're listening to this a month from now or 10 years from now, don't get upset and don't. Erase the file. <laughs> We're not making fun of you. All of us have had goofy ideas about God and about who he is and what he does. And any light we have uh, is, is very small compared to what there is to be seen and known. We're believing for more. We want to get this right for ourselves. We're not making fun of anybody. Man, I... I've believed some of the kookiest stuff years ago and decades ago. As a teenager, I actually told somebody one time. Now, I don't have to tell you all this, but I thought it was faith in God. I thought I was just uh, had strong faith in how big God was and how, how almighty and omnipotent and omniscient. And how in control it was. I said I'm telling you. God's in control. He's in control of everything. If I stepped out in the street. Out in front of that 18 wheeler. Come down there. If it wasn't God's will. It wouldn't hurt me. Well. I was wrong. Thank God. I didn't test that. Because you can step out in front of an 18 wheeler. 
and just get mushed and it have nothing to do with God. Nothing to do with God. He gave you a brain and some intelligence. Is God an intelligent being? That's not even an intelligent question. Are you an intelligent being? That's worth asking. (laughs) But how should two intelligent beings communicate? Intelligently. (laughs) Not through Uggs and whacks. Intelligently. We're made in the likeness and image of God. We have qualities and characteristics like Him. Certainly not developed anywhere close to His abilities, but we're in the same family. Hallelujah. And just like a super wise hundred-year-old could communicate with the three-year-old, and that's not even a fair example, our good Father can and will communicate with us. And we can understand him. Don't believe anything else. Did I tell you to go somewhere, some scripture? That's right. Did you pick up which one it was? We're talking about being led now. I mean. (laughs) Psalm 32. 32, 32.8. Boy, the Lord's helping us. I'm excited about this. I'm really, really excited about this. Problems are going to be avoided in the future. People are not going to miss it on some things. Oh, glory to God. They're not going to miss it. They're going to get it right. Hallelujah. As some things that some people have made mistakes on, they're going to realize it and they're going to make adjustments and get, it, get, get that fixed, get that right. Hallelujah. Somebody say, so be it, so be it. Psalm 32, 8. What did the Lord say? I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you shall go. Can we accept that for ourselves? I will guide you with my eye. Other translations talk about I'll be watching you. I'll be watching your progress and leading you and guiding you. Come on, confess this out loud. Uh, verse, verse 8. Say, He is instructing me. And He is teaching me. In the way which I should go. He will watch over me. And guide me. Throughout my life. I am a child of God. And I am led. By the Spirit of God. Do we need to say these things? We need to believe it enough to say it. And we need to release faith through our words and give our high priest something to work with. Is that right? He is the high priest of our confession of what we say. That's how you got born again. Believed it in your heart. Said it with your mouth. That's how everything else works. Same way. Now look at verse 9. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule. What's he talking about? Verse 8. Back up and look again. Guidance. Leading and guidance. 
And verse 9, he's talking about horses and mules. And what did he say? Don't be like them because they what? Have no understanding. You can't just have a conversation with them and tell them what to do. Even the good ones. They can be trained to a point. But if you go into some hour spill with them about what you want them to do, do not assume they're getting half of this. You say, well, my horse is smart. Great. Praise the Lord. But he's not supposed to be anywhere near as smart as you. Is what he's saying. Don't be like the horse or the mule. Look at your neighbor. Help him out. Say, don't be like a mule. Don't be like a mule. It is written in the Holy Scriptures. Don't be like a mule. Don't be like a mule. They don't have understanding. And their mouth must be held in with the bit and bridle lest they come near to you. Let me read another translation of this. The CEV says, verse 8, complete English says, I will point out the road that you should follow. I will be your teacher and watch over you. Don't that sound like what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit? He's going to guide us. He's going to lead us. He's going to teach us. He's going to remind us. He's going to show us things to come. Verse 9. Don't be stupid like horses and mules that must be led with ropes to make them obey. And yet, this is exactly what most of the church world believes how God leads. Through external persuasions. You lost your job. Well, God's telling you something. Somebody ran a red light and crashed into your car. God's trying to tell you something. You stumped your toe and hit your noggin and opened up and you had to get stitches. Boy, you better pay attention. God's trying to tell you something. Well, what's he trying to tell you? That you're a mule? What's the message? I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm talking about how unreasonable and how unscriptural this belief is. And millions of people are believing this. They didn't accept me in that school. So obviously it's not God's will for me to go to that school. Why is it obvious? There's people that have applied multiple times and got accepted the tenth time. And you you get people praying to God to lead you externally. Lord, if this is you, then do this, this, and this, and this. And Lord, if this is not you, then don't let it be. All of it external stuff, external stuff. I've heard people say, Lord, if this is you, let four red cars come by my house, right after one right after another. People say, well, I've done that before and it worked. Well, the Lord has mercy on babies that don't know any better. But you keep doing that, you're going to get in trouble. Because guess who is the God of this world? The devil. He does things in this world. 
He has influences. And if you're going to be led by external things, you're going to be misled. Don't be like a horse. Don't be like a mule. You don't need a bit in your mouth. You don't need a rope choking you and pulling you to the side. You don't need a stick upside your head. God's intelligent. And so are you. He can talk to you. And you can listen. And you can get it. No ropes. No sticks. How many believe this? Go to Ephesians. Ephesians 5.17. This verse he just got through saying. What's the issue with the horse and the mule? They have no understanding. That's why you got to use the rope, you got to use the bit, got to use the bridle. You can't just say, come here, horsey, right now, and him always trot over. But what does the scripture tell us in the New Testament? What did he say? Don't be unwise. Is he telling us something we don't have any control over? Or does this have to do with choices we make? Don't be unwise, but do what? Understanding what the will of the Lord is. There are millions of Christians don't believe you can really know what the will of the Lord is. That whatever's happening is the will of the Lord. It's really mysterious and unknowable. You kind of find out about it after it happens. And it's all through circumstances. It's never been that way. And it's not true. Why would he tell us, don't be unwise, but understand what my will is? Does he expect us to find out specifically what his will is? And to understand it and know it. Not like a brute beast. Not being whacked and not. Hearing and knowing and understanding and perceiving and responding. And doing. And following. Hallelujah. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Now if you don't believe you can personally. And directly hear from the Lord. Then you really don't believe in the Bible at all. Do you? Have you read page after page after page? What does it say page after page? God said to Adam. God said to Moses. Hundreds of times. God said to Elijah. God said to David. God said. God said. God said. God said. God said. said. Is the book full of God said? It so is the book full of people hearing from God. Yes. That's how the Bible got here. That's how we got the Word of God. It's people personally, directly hearing from God. So when did it change that nobody personally and directly hears from God? Like all these people did. That now we're just led by Knocks. Whatever happens. 
No. I want us to read some scriptures. You got time for some scriptures? We need to lay a foundation and we need to lay it strong. So I need to give you some scriptures. Verse after verse after verse after verse. Let's start in the book of Acts. In the New Testament. Did Paul ever hear from the Lord? Did Peter ever hear from the Lord? Yeah. They said the Lord said this. And the, well, what if they were around now preaching and ministering? Hmm? And Paul said, the Lord spoke to me on the road to Damascus. And he told me, go into this city. And this is going to happen and this is going to happen. What would people say today about that? The Lord told him. He imagined he heard the Lord. No, he didn't imagine it. He did. Did he or not? See, if you discount all this, then you just don't believe the Bible. Because it is full of people hearing directly and personally from the Lord. Isn't it? In the book of Acts. Book of Acts chapter 8. I want to just go through. Chapter by chapter here for a little bit. Acts 8.29. Acts 8.29. The Spirit said to Philip. Who said it? The Spirit. Said to Philip. Go near and join yourself to this chariot. Is that personal? Is that direct? Is it specific? This is no vague trying to pick up from a set of circumstances some general idea. Very specific. Go do this there with them. And so he did. It was supernatural. Have you read the rest of the story? He didn't know this guy. He didn't even know what was going on. But he went over there and so happens this was an official from another country who just happens to be reading Isaiah. And he asked him, what does this mean? And Philip was ready, anointed, hallelujah, to tell him what it meant. They never met each other. This is supernatural. You can only have these kind of amazing things when people are led by the Spirit. As long as you're trying to be led by circumstances, you'll never have things like this. The Spirit, somebody say the Spirit said to Philip. Go to the 10th chapter. 1019, Peter had a vision. And verse 19 says, while Peter thought on the vision, what happened? The Spirit said to him, behold, three men seek you. This is very specific. Three. Somebody say three. Three men seek you. Verse 20. Arise, therefore, and get down, go you down, go with them, doubting nothing. How does he know they want him to go with him? He didn't know, but the Lord knows. Because I have sent them. Where where is Peter hearing this from? The Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Do you believe this or not? Was this just something he imagined or dreamt up or worked up? No. No. 
Is the Spirit of God real? Obviously, He's intelligent. Are we intelligent? If you can understand me talking to you, why couldn't you understand Him talking to you? You can. I said, you can. Peter did. Philip did. Keep reading. So Peter went down. And it happened just that way. He asked them, who are you looking for? And they told him. And it was enough for him to realize the Spirit of God is leading him to go minister to these Gentiles, which was not done. Did he have to overcome some fear to do this? Which is why he needed the Lord to say this to him so specifically and so strong. And hallelujah, while he was preaching to them, the same Holy Spirit fell on them and filled them. Hallelujah. And and the whole Gentile world was opened up. Gospel began to be preached all over the known world. Somebody say glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Then when he got back after preaching to them, he got called on the carpet. The leaders of the then church, they, they want to know, what are you doing? What did you do? You went and preached to Gentiles? I know that sounds strange to us, but it was not done at that time. And you know what, what his uh, explanation was? Acts 11 and 12. Just over the next chapter here. Acts 11 and 12. He said, the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. What's his defense? Why did you do that? (laughs) The Holy Spirit told me to go. Now I'm going to go ahead and interject right here. There's a lot of people who said the Spirit said it and he didn't. And that's something else we're going to need to get into before this is over. But it doesn't change the fact that he really does speak to people. And when he does, it's life changing. The Spirit. Now look what a spiritual church you have in the beginning days. Because these are centuries and centuries of tradition. And these people think they have scripture for staying away from the non-Jewish peoples. It's their understanding. But keep reading. He said, these six brothers went with me. And we went into the man's house. Keep reading. And he showed us how he saw an angel in his house. How many understand? You lost the rest of a bunch of traditional church goers right there. We got people hearing from God. We got people seeing angels. How many folks in a lot of churches, if they heard that and their preachers talking that and their people, they're leaving. They will be gone next Sunday. We don't go for all that. All that what? Book of Acts? What do you have that's better than the book of Acts? And if you don't have this, what have you substituted for it? I'll tell you what. Ropes and sticks. Led by knocks. Assuming everything is going on is God. When it's not. It is not. It is not. How many understand there's a whole lot of things God is just not in? And if you try to act like God's in everything, you're going to be deceived. You're going to be misled. You're going to be hurt. And that's why a lot of people get mad and they blame God. Quit church. 
How many remember when Elijah went up on the, the mount after that showdown with those prophets of Baal? And the scripture talked about that. And don't, you don't necessarily have to turn there. They'll put it up for us. Uh, you stay in Acts. 1 Kings 19, 9. It said, uh, he came and got in a cave, and the word of the Lord came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Who said that to him? The Lord. The Lord. You believe he, he just dreamed that up or made that up, or did that actually happen? Yes. How many of the Bible is full of this? God talking to people yes. and them hearing him. And understanding it very clearly, very specifically. And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord of hosts. And verse 11, he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great strong wind rent the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But what? But what? The Lord was not in the wind. Say what? The Lord sent him up there. We know the Lord's out there. You would assume God's talking to me through this wind. But God wasn't in the wind. How many think we need some discernment? Just because it's loud and just because it's spectacular doesn't mean it's God. And here's something else. Even though it's spiritual and it's real doesn't mean it's God. And that great strong wind Broke the pieces and rocks, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, which is called by most insurance companies <laughs> as an act of God. But they obviously never read this verse, because what did it say? How many do we need to quote to them? First Kings 19.11 says the Lord was not in the earthquake. The wind tore stuff up, and the Lord wasn't in the wind. And the earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Somebody needs to say it. He was not in the wind. He was not in the earthquake. You say, well, what was in it? Something that was destroying. That wasn't God. Verse 12. After the earthquake, there was a fire. Surely that's God. That's got to be God. Because God himself is a fire. Yeah, but not this. Not this. These are destructive forces that are in the earth. Winds, tornadoes, hurricanes, fires that ravage and burn down cities. Earthquakes that split open and swallow up buildings and cities. Somebody say, not God. Not God. Not God. And yet you'll see preachers, a disaster strike a place, and they're the first ones to say, God is speaking to us. What's he saying? And people can't, they can't put a, their finger on it, but there's this vague, mysterious thing that God is saying to us. We're not quite getting it. I've been trying to figure out for the last 30 years what he, what he meant by doing that. But, well, hold on. Are you a mule or a man? Are you clueless or could you understand? If we can understand each other, we know God's smarter than us. Why can't we understand him? I'm not making fun of people. I'm making fun of that lie. That deception. I already gave you an example of some of the goofy stuff I believed when I was a kid. Thank God for the Bible. 
thank God for anointing and light and men and women of God that the Lord used to help me. Hallelujah. And you. Somebody say, the Lord was not in the fire. He wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the earthquake. This should be letting us know there's a whole lot of stuff. God is not in it. So if you're trying to be led through that, you're trying to be led through something that's not God. You're trying to attribute higher purposes to something God had nothing to do with. How are we supposed to know then? I'm glad you asked. That's exactly why we're having this series. Hang on. We won't get it all tonight. But if you'll stay with us. Stay with the word. Continue. The scripture says, then shall we know if we follow on to know. Right? But what happened? Keep reading. Then there was a still small voice. The way God communicates with us is not always loud and spectacular. In fact, what does this indicate? This is something you could easily ignore. Still, quiet, small, something. It doesn't need to be any more than this because it's closer than I am to this man's ear. How loud and boisterous do I need to be two inches from his ear? How about if I wasn't just next to his ear inside? I don't need to be paying attention to earthquakes and winds and fires. God's in me. I said he's in me. He's in me. And that's how he communicates with me. From the inside. I'm not externally led. I'm internally led. I'm led from the inside. Remember that scripture we read? The spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. Where's your spirit? Inside. 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 He's inside. I'm inside led. My father in the faith, Brother Hagin, used to say this all the time. We need to become more God inside minded. More what? Not just God minded, more God inside minded because he's in us. I don't have to climb the highest mountain across the widest sea to find God. He's in me. He's in me. I don't have to go on a pilgrimage through the jungle to find God. I've heard of Christians leaving home, going, leaving their job, extended things to find their self. Honey, that's not what you want to find anyway. The more of you you find, it'll actually make you nauseous. You want to find him. And you don't have to leave the bedroom. Come on, are you listening? You don't have to leave the kitchen. You don't have to leave your chair to find him because he's in you. He's in you. Somebody say, he's in me. He's in me. He's in me. Greater is he who's in me than he that is in the world. Christ.
Christ in me. The hope of glory. In me. Somebody say he's in me. He's in me. He's in me. He's in me. And that's where he leads me from. From inside me. Mm, hallelujah. Glory to God. Where are you? Yeah. That's, that's where you need to be. Acts eleven twelve. Why did he go to preach to the Gentiles? The Spirit of God told him to. Right? Now he gets in trouble for doing what the Spirit of God told him to do. What's the solution? Tell them. The Spirit of God told me. Verse uh, 12, what did he say? The Spirit bade me go. Keep reading, verse 13. And he showed, talk, talked about the angel, verse 14. He said he's going to tell you words whereby you and all your house will be saved. Just keep going for the next few verses. And as I begin to speak to him, the what? Ghost is an old English word, King James word. It's the word for spirit. The Holy Spirit fell on them as on us at the beginning. Just like on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2. He said, he said the same thing happened. And then I remembered the word of the Lord. How that he said, John baptized you with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. For as much as God gave them the like gift as he did to us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? Am I supposed to tell the Lord, no, I'm not going to go? I can't preach to them when he told me to go. When they heard these things, now these are the elders in the young church at that time. What'd they do? They said, well, that's it. That's great. They held their peace. They glorified God. Oh, friend, well, I don't think we understand how significant, how, how much of a miracle this is. Centuries of traditional thinking are just calmly set aside. Oh, <laughs> What kind of move of God could happen in denominations all over this world? Hallelujah. If this simple thing would rise to the forefront, whatever the Spirit says is right. And the reason this happened is because these men had the same Spirit in them Peter had in him. And when he's telling them, the Spirit told me this, the same Spirit who told him was quickening them. Come on, are you listening? While he's talking, and they're thinking, okay, he's telling me too. Right? How easy these things should be, friends, because we all have the same Spirit. And if it really is the Holy Spirit, it's going to bear witness with everybody that's got the Holy Spirit. Same Spirit that's paying attention. Which is why it went this way. They said, well, glory to God. Then the Gentiles can get in on this too, I guess. (laughs) Centuries of tradition just calmly set aside. And they begin to thank God for the Gentiles getting saved. This is miraculous. Ooh, hallelujah. Acts 13. Keep going. The Bible said in Acts 13 too. In the mouth of uh, two or three witnesses. Let every word be established. We've already seen three. In uh, 
verse, or three scriptures, I should say, in Acts 13, 1. Verse 1, let's back up. There were in the church that was in Antioch certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, it was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, which had been brought up with Herod, the teacherarch, and Saul, who you know is called Paul. Verse 2, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. How many know you can't fast for 15 minutes? <laughs> so this was long enough to miss at least one meal. And this is a shortcoming. In many situations, people are in too big of a rush. We need to be able to worship, praise, wait on God for hours at a time. Because when they did, what happened? The Holy Spirit said something. Now apparently he didn't say it the first five minutes they were doing this. There was some amount of time involved. But at some point toward the end of this, the Spirit of God said something. And they all knew it was the Spirit of God. What did he say? Very specific. Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Keep reading. And when they had fasted some more and prayed some more. (laughs) Man, this sounds like it took most of the day. Don't it to you? They laid their hands on them and sent them away. Verse 4. And so they being sent forth by the council. They being sent forth with papers from their denomination. No. No. Whose idea was it to do this? It wasn't Paul's. That's not something they had on the agenda to do today. Just while they waited on the Lord, the Spirit of God said, I want this done today. I want this done today. Oh, hallelujah. I believe this is pleasing to him right now. That you and I are focusing on this. Hallelujah. With an intent to pay more attention. And to give ourselves more to him. So if he wants to say something and do something, we're aware of it. And ready to work with him. Now we've got to distinguish. Because there's a whole lot of people. That think well that's what I do. I am key. But a lot of what they do that they call God. Is flesh. It's not the spirit of God. And yet. You can get in the ditch on either side of the road. Everybody and their brother. Saying the Lord said this. The Lord said that. And he's not in half of it. Or people get scared of it. And so they do nothing. And nobody ever hears from the Lord. And it's just dead. How many think we don't have to be in either ditch? Either ditch we can be by the grace of God in the middle of the road. Rightly divided truth. Right? And truth that makes us free. Come on, say it out loud. Pray it out loud. Father God, I want to know the truth about being led by your spirit. Show me what you and what's man. Show me what spirit and what's flesh. Help me to see the difference between the real and the phony. The true and the false. I will be teachable. I will be correctable. I'm willing to change. I ask it in Jesus' name. Thank you for showing me. Amen. So be it. Is it the will of God? Then he heard it. 
Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. It didn't say that Barnabas and Saul were in a donkey cart accident and laid up in the hospital at this place and figured out we need to go into ministry. Or that after four failed business attempts, they decided I'm not supposed to be in business. I'm supposed to preach. Do you know why I'm saying this? No. Very specifically. To the point. The Holy Spirit brought them up to these leaders in the church by name. Didn't he? By name. Said I want them set apart for what I've already, already called them to do. I want it done today. And they did it. They prayed over them, laid hands on them, sent them out. And the rest of the book of Acts follows the Spirit of God doing miracles through their lives and through their ministries. No ropes, no sticks, no bridles. Just intelligent children of God hearing from our all-wise Father through His perfect Holy Spirit. So they were sent forth, not by man, but by the Holy Spirit. Like one fellow said, some are sent and some just went. People are sent by men. Other people, family members called them. Their spouse called them, told them to do it. And that's when you see struggle and you see failure. But when you're sent by the Holy Spirit, greater is he that's in you and with you. And on you. Who sent you? Than anything you're going to encounter in the world. So you're going to see victories. Somebody say amen, amen, amen. Amen. Acts 16. Boy, there's so many of these. I need to find a quitting place here somewhere. (laughs) Acts 16. Paul and his company. Verse 16.6. When they had gone through Phrygia. And the region of Galatia. And were what? Forbidden of the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Say what? I thought the gospel, the Great Commission said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. What about Phrygia? Isn't that part of the world? The region of Galatia? Aren't they every creature? Then why wouldn't it be right? Uh, a lot of people would argue with that and they say, no way the Holy Spirit told you don't go over there and preach. We're supposed to go everywhere and preach everywhere. You're not going everywhere. You're one person. Limited time and limited resources. And the truth is, there's a lot of folks not ready for you. You are not their cup of tea. And some folks never will be. You never will be their cup of tea. And that's okay. Because you're not personally supposed to go to everybody. And be a part of everything. Can't. You can't. You can't. God didn't tell you to. So they, even though the Great Commission is true. That as the body of Christ. The whole church is supposed to go to the whole world. And preach to everybody. 
Yet what's Paul supposed to do in his company? On this occasion, the Spirit of God is letting him know, don't go over there now. Do we need to hear these kind of things ourselves? Don't go over there. The Spirit of God forbid him. Now what does that sound like? They were thinking about doing it. The Spirit of God said, no, no, don't do it. It was strong enough to them. They said, the Holy Ghost forbid us to do it. Forbid you to do what? Preach the word. People like to make rules. See, now a lot of folks, if you're led by the spirit of hard knocks, you're just going to go and see if it works out. (laughs) And if it works out, well, it was God. If it didn't work out, boy, it wasn't God. But it didn't say they did, didn't say they launched over there and it was miserable and they spent all the money and nobody got saved and they concluded God wasn't in this. The Lord's telling us something here. No. They intelligently heard from the Spirit of God and just didn't even go and missed all that frustration. Oh, somebody listening. I said they missed wasting their money. They didn't waste their time. They didn't get in trouble. Because I mean, no, being at the wrong place at the wrong time, you can get in trouble. You can get hurt. Acts 20, at a very important juncture in Paul's ministry. So many miracles and things had happened. Numerous churches had been started. Acts 20, verse 22 And now he's going to Jerusalem. And in verse 22, Acts 20, 22, he said, Now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. And just because you're spirit-led, just because you're a prophet, just because you're an apostle, that doesn't mean you know everything. What did Paul say? Not knowing. I don't know what's going to happen over there. But I know this, save that the Holy Spirit is witnessing in every city saying that bonds and affliction are waiting on me. Now, a lot of folk would say, well, dear Lord, Paul, don't go, which is what they told him. Is that right? Have you read this? They said, don't go. And he said, what do you mean trying to break my heart over this? The Lord told him this when he got saved on the road to Damascus about he was going to suffer some things and bear his name before the kings and Gentiles. That's how he got there was in handcuffs. But how many know you don't need to be guessing and filling in the blanks about all this stuff. You need to be hearing from the Lord specifically. Do I go or do I not go? There's no substitute for being led by the Spirit of God internally Personally, directly, specifically led by the Holy Spirit of God. The answer to a thousand and one questions is be led. Don't trust somebody else to tell you what to do. I don't care how wonderful they are, how spiritual they are. They're not the Holy Spirit. You can be led for yourself. The Amplified says it like this, verse 23. He said, the Holy Spirit clearly... This is the Amplified. The Holy Spirit clearly and emphatically affirms to me in city after city that imprisonment and suffering are waiting on me. Not suffering being broke, not suffering being sick and diseased, suffering being persecuted for preaching the gospel. 
And all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That is the suffering that's according to the will of God. But if you don't know how to be led by the Spirit, you can launch off into a place that's hostile to the gospel and lose your life for no reason. Did you hear me? Waste your time. Or if the Lord led you to go, you can be right in the middle of the most dangerous spot on the planet and be kept by the angels of God, be kept by the Holy Spirit of God. And the difference is, did he lead you to go or not? But the Holy Spirit, I want you to read this. Uh, The Amplified brings these words out. The Holy Spirit did what? Clearly and what? And emphatically affirmed to me. Is he hearing from the Holy Spirit? Numerous times, is it clear to him? Is it strong to him? It's not some vague, general, mystic thing. Don't you like these words? Clearly and emphatically said to me. In 1 Timothy 4. Oh, thank you, Lord. I didn't get too far into this tonight. But I believe we got where we needed to go. I'm doing the best I know to be led by the Spirit. In this. And you're believing with me, right? You, you're believing with me. We'll get it. One of the things, you just make up your mind, you're not going to quit. Right. And if you make a mistake, you just stop and go, oops, I missed it, guys. I, I wasn't listening good on that one. But you don't quit. No. You get right back up on it, right? And you say, I'm going to do better. I'm going to be better led on this. This is not something you learn all about in a day or two or a week or two or a month or two. It's something you should develop in your entire life. And the good thing is if we get on this and stay on this and focus on this, as the years go by, as we get older, it'll be something to be excited about. Because, yeah, you might not could run like you could when you're 16, but my, my, you wouldn't go back to that vagueness and dumbness for any amount of money because you are so clear now and you are so sharp about what's God and what's not God. That can be a good thing about getting older, hallelujah, and developing in Him. Past getting brighter, not darker, brighter, clearer. Hallelujah. One reason I'm yelling and waving my hands, it's happening in my life. Hallelujah. It's happening in my life. Man, I wouldn't go back to decades ago. That level of understanding for huge sums of money. I'd say, no thanks, no thanks, no thanks. I don't claim to have arrived at all. But I'm a lot clearer than I was just a few years ago. Hallelujah. Knowing what's in. Knowing what's not. Thank you, Lord. And I'm believing to get a lot more clear. Are you? I know you are. 1 Timothy 4, 1. The same thing is mentioned here that we just got through reading. He said, now the Spirit does what? Speaks. Does He speak? Does the Spirit speak? Don't take the, I know I'm being repetitious. I know I'm being redundant. But you do realize that what you and I are talking about believing tonight, most of the church world does not believe this. Not in any practicable form. Do you believe? You can hear distinctly on the inside from the Spirit of God. You can be personally, directly led from the Lord. Amen. 
then you're in a minority. But we're going to believe that minority expands. How about it? Expands. The Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Listen to the Amplified on that. The Holy Spirit does what? Distinctly and expressly declares. This is not vague. This is not just so general and mystical. Somebody say distinctly, expressly, clearly, precisely. Hallelujah. On what? What he said. What he said. Clear and precise on what he said. Go to John 10 in conclusion. Boy, this whole chapter is just full of what we're talking about tonight. John 10, verse 1, are you there? Jesus said, these are the words of the Master. You believe what he said, don't you? He that enters not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Now notice, he's talking about another way from his way. Say it out loud, Lord, I want your way, not another way. Keep going, verse 2. But he that enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter opens, now get this, get this, and the sheep do what? The sheep do what? Hear his voice. And he beats them with the stick. Until they turn the right way. A whack here. And a whack there. And a kick here. And a kick there. And if need be. A tornado. Or a fire. Or an earthquake. No. Read it out loud. The sheep. Do what? Hear his voice. What does he do? He calls his own sheep by name. Does he know your name? I said, does he know your name? Remember in the book of Acts, we didn't read that one yet. We didn't read half of those. But how the Lord spoke to him and said, Ananias. And he said, I'm here, Lord. Do you believe that or not? Is that scripture? Called his, does he know your name? Somebody said, he knows my name. He knows my name. He knows my name. I don't have to live in some mystic, unclear world trying to figure out the practically unknowable will of God. No, no, no. He knows how to call you by name and say something straight to the point. Very direct, very precise, very distinct. How many believe God is more intelligent than you are? Come on. You know, I heard some years ago, some, some professor and college students were debating about it, wonder if God understood radar. How ignorant can you be? Where did we get radar from? Studying bats and sonar from studying dolphins and what have you. Who put that in them? Come on, you got to be joking. Does God understand radar? 
that's how foolish a lot of people are. That's how far off they are. And to them, God is not real at all. He's certainly not knowable, not personally able to converse with him. They don't believe it. But I do. And you do. So that's some of us. I believe this. I'm his sheep. Come on, say it out loud. I'm his sheep. And I hear his voice. And he calls me by name. And he leads me out. And I follow him. Because I know him. I hear him. Ooh, hallelujah. Verse 4. When he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before him. And the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. Friend, never again contradict the word by saying, I can't hear from God. I don't know his voice very well. Or I don't know his. Quit saying that. That's walking by sight and darkness. Believe the word of God. Agree with him and it'll open you up. Agree with him. Agree with him. I don't care if you've made a wrong turn the last five times and you feel as dull as a pumpkin head. (laughs) And nothing can get through to you. It's for all the more reason to talk by faith and say, I am his sheep and I know his voice. Come on, somebody say, I know his voice. voice. Why couldn't you say that? It's Bible. Jesus said it. Why can't you say what Jesus said? Come on, say it out loud. I know his voice. Come on, say it again. I know his voice. I know his voice. I know his voice. voice. Now the devil will come and say, no, you don't. You say, shut up. You are nothing to me. I know his voice. He said it, and if he said it, it's true. And if it don't seem like that to me, it's something wrong with what it seems like. It's nothing wrong with what he said. What he said has got to be right. And if I believe this, my, what seems like will get fixed. I know his voice. Verse 5, get this. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him. Why? Because they don't know. The voice of a stranger. That's a strange voice. I'm not following that. We don't follow everything. We don't follow anybody that says do this and do that. I've had people got upset with me before. In the church and in the ministry. We want you to do this. We want you to do that. And I said no. No. Sorry. No. No. There's one person that asked me about four or five things. I said no. I'm sorry. No. But they said well surely you're going to let me do this. I said No. They said, well, why? I said, I don't do what I want to do. Why would I do what you want me to do? There really is such a thing. It's being led by the Spirit of God. And I know that's not real. I know some people think, oh, you just do anything you want to do and say the Lord told me to. Well, if I do, I'm going to get in trouble. And I'm going to have to answer for it before the Lord. We're going to touch on that before we get through. But there is such a thing. As being anointed of the Lord to lead. And seeking him until you actually hear from him. Come on, are you listening? 
A lot of times you don't get it exactly when you want to. So you have to be patient. And you have to persevere. And you have to believe. Oh, but if you'll wait, you'll get it. And he'll show you. Hallelujah. And he's not going to tell you the whole thing, but he'll give you enough to get you started. Get you to take some steps. And if you'll follow him, he'll show you some more. And he'll tell you some more. And he will lead you all the way into the perfect plan of God. And you'll see miracles. How many would agree? We've seen some miracles around this place. Haven't we? We've seen miracles around here. I didn't do it. You didn't do it. He did it. All we did was follow him in. Is that right? I'm not saying we did it perfectly, but you and I have followed him some. Let's follow him some more. Let's follow him all the way. Somebody say all the way. All the way. Skip down to verse 14. Verse 14. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known of mine. Are you his? Then he said, you know him. Now, don't let this bug you. I think next time we're going to just get into some detail about how you know him. But for now, can you just accept the word of God that says, I know him. He knows me, and I know him. Anything else is a lie. I don't care what I feel. I don't care how it seems. He knows me, and I know him. That's John 10, 14. Red letters. It's what Jesus said. It's got to be right. Come on, somebody say, he knows me. I am his sheep, and I know him. He said I know him, so I know him. Verse 16, other sheep I have which are not of this fold. That's us. (laughs) Them also I must bring, and what? They shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Hallelujah. He said it again. This is what, like the fourth or fifth time in verse 27? Verse 27, my sheep. Why would he keep saying this? If you said it once, it's true. If you said it twice, it's true, and you ought to be paying attention. Right? If he said it three or four times, what's going on here? The Spirit of God knew how the enemy would attempt to distract us and confuse us and get us to believe we can't hear from him. But he's a liar. And if you listen to it before, you're done listening to it now. And you're going to agree with the master. You're going to agree with the word of God. I am his sheep. Come on, say it out loud. I I am his sheep. I hear his voice. He knows me. And I follow him. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, everybody. Glory to God. Lift up your hands. Let's lift up our hands. Let's lift up our voices. Oh, tell the Lord how much you appreciate. Lord, what you have done that allows us to know you like this. Oh, others have desired to see what we see and hear what we hear. Others long to look, angels longed to look into these things, knowing 
you personally and hearing from you personally, having your very own spirit alive in us night and day, everywhere we go, everything we do, teaching us, leading us, guiding us into all the truth. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, lift your hands. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. Oh, come on, take a moment. Lift up your voice. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for leading me. Thank you for guiding me. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.